0: Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 uh, Corinthians, and we'll also be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians, which is conveniently located right after 1 Corinthians, so it shouldn't be too hard to track down. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one at the end of the pew. 1 uh, Corinthians is found uh, towards the end of the New Testament, after you know Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and Romans. Uh, the next thing you'll hit after Romans is 1 uh, Corinthians. We'll be looking at a passage from chapter 1, and as we... Uh, Look at this this morning. I want to talk really, I guess you could say this is a a Sunday for us to, one, transition into the fall, but specifically to focus around this theme of service, of serving in God's kingdom. And we actually, uh, this fall in our Sunday school time for the adults, are going to be focusing in on this uh, theme through our two classes Harrison mentioned earlier. One on uh, utilizing and understanding your spiritual gifts. So really about how do we find out what those things are and apply them for God's kingdom. And and then another class that will be on how to help others grow spiritually. How to help make disciples. So both of those really dealing with this theme of God's call for us to Uh, be involved in serving in his kingdom. I'll remind us uh, again this morning that uh, the scriptures tell us in a number of places that we all have the privilege of being involved in God's uh, kingdom. It's not just uh, something for uh, those with Rev before their name and a couple of letters after their name. Uh, Ephesians 4 tells us that uh, God uh, puts in the church pastors and teachers to equip believers to do the work of ministry. But so we're all here. It may be a new way for us thinking about church, but we're all actually here each Sunday. One of the things we're doing is being equipped to go out and serve in whatever ministry God's called us to, whatever areas of service. We each are a minister in that sense of the things of God. 1 Peter, that we're going to be looking at this fall in our sermon series, says a lot about this, but one in particular is that it tells us that we are privileged as God's people to be a royal priesthood and it tells us elsewhere that we're actually building blocks that God is building together into a a spiritual temple if you will a, a house of God and both of those things tell me one it's an awesome privilege to be called into that kind of community but two priests if you're a royal priesthood what did the priests do they ministered the things of God that's part of who we are as God's people or should be part of who we are what I want us to think about this morning is one of the things that makes it so difficult to apply ourselves in a life of service, in a life that's responding to what Jesus has done and seeking to love others around us with whatever gifts he's given. And that is our weakness. Our weakness. What do I have to offer? If I actually did something, where would I get the strength to do that? And if I did want to begin to serve in God's kingdom, where would I even begin? How would I start? All these things bring to us today a sense of our weakness. And what I want us to see today is not only that we have the joy of God meeting us in our weakness, but that actually that's the way God loves to work through our lives. All through the history of the scriptures, he loves to work through his people precisely in those places where we recognize we aren't strong, we aren't capable, we don't have the energy, but that God can supply that for us. So I invite you to stand with me as we read a couple of passages for us to consider today. Uh, First Corinthians uh, chapter one, I'll read aloud. You just read along with me silently. Uh, beginning in verse 26, the apostle Paul says, for consider your calling brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Turn with me over to Second Corinthians chapter 12. Similar theme you're going to see here, but I'll mention Paul is writing this immediately after he's discussed the fact that he's had this, this huge privilege of seeing some kind of amazing revelation of what heaven is going to be like. He's been blessed with that. And he speaks coming out of that in verse 7, of 2 Corinthians 12 and says, So to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Listen to this. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. You may be seated, and let's pray again together. O Father... We pray that you would meet us this morning in our weakness. Uh, For those of us that are acutely aware of those places, you would uh, show us what it is to draw strength from you. Uh, For those of us who would deem ourselves uh, strong and quite capable, I pray that you'd reveal to us our great need to walk in your strength instead of our own. And in all of this, Lord, I ask that you would really equip us to step forth in a life of serving in your kingdom for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but every four years, it seems I get more and more fired up about the Olympics. I don't know, maybe 12, 16 years ago, I didn't really pay much attention to it. It could be the fact of the, you know, little youngsters age 9 and under, four of them around my house, that that we kind of get to watch and I get to introduce them to to all these uh, sporting events. But we're usually pretty fascinated by the Olympics, aren't we? We're fascinated by the pageantry, by the international nature of the competition, I'm personally fascinated, maybe you are, that McDonald's continues to still be a sponsor for this thing when their food would kind of epitomize the opposite of the fitness that the Olympic athletes demonstrate, but somehow they keep that going. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many Big Macs those 10K uh, uh, runners are enjoying. But it's the skill that impresses us, it's the strength of the skill of those incredible athletes. That impresses upon us, whether it's uh, uh, Gabby and Michaela and Kyla and Ali uh, in the in the uh, gymnastics events or Phelps, Lochte, uh, Sony and Franklin in the swimming pool or you name it. It's impressive to see that kind of strength displayed. It was interesting then to see what I'm sure you noticed as well in this year's Olympics, if you watched any of it. And that is this gentleman from South Africa, Oscar Pistorius. Oscar, if you saw him, you certainly noticed because from about 11 months old in his life, he had his legs removed from just below the knees and down. Striking because as a former track runner of sorts in my high school years, or just a casual observer, one would think that one of the main things you need to compete in any running race, let alone a race with the fastest people in the world, is a decent set of legs. I loved watching that guy run. Because it epitomizes for us, doesn't it, the beauty of strength in weakness. And it reminds us as well that, that that man couldn't run at all if he didn't have some outside help. These devices that look like some combination of an oversized shoehorn and a pancake flipper that are attached to his his legs that somehow help him get around that track. Just for him to make it to the semifinals in the four hundred was amazing. Reminds us today of the beauty that we can experience in our lives. If we don't dodge, we don't shirk, we don't try to move around, we accept our spiritually handicapped status. The fact that we are weak people. And the fact that especially when we step out and try to do anything in service, whatever you want to title that as, that we particularly feel our weakness so i want us to think about this theme today if you want to turn to the back of your worship guide there's a a note section i don't acknowledge i didn't get much in there for you this week but you can jot down this main idea if you'd like because god's power is made perfect perfect in weakness we should find strength for serving in jesus alone because God's power is made perfect in weakness, we should find strength for serving in Jesus alone. Now, before I go too much further, let me mention again, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of assuming this reality that um, we understand that Jesus has come into our life, that what Harrison was talking to the, the uh, kids about in the children's moment is absolutely true, that God has come and taken the backpack of our sin, of our turning away from Him on to Jesus. Jesus has paid for all of that. And that because we see that, and because we've begun to experience that by faith, we want to live our lives for the Lord. We're actually learning to want to lose ourselves for the kingdom of God so that we can gain ourselves back through God's grace. So I'm assuming that to some extent, if that's a completely new concept for you today, I'd love to talk with you about what it means for your life after the worship service or sometime this week. But I'm also assuming as well that when we think about God using us in his kingdom, we're thinking broad brush here. Maybe it's coaching on your child's team for God's glory or leading that Girl Scout troop. Maybe it's some um, volunteer aspect at your workplace that you get involved with the committee and offer to help with some specific need to God's glory. It might be you've got a special time of need in your immediate family or an ailing relative or a child that needs special attention, and that's calling for a lot of your service right now. You're serving God in that capacity. Uh, maybe it's getting involved in local or state politics. Maybe you're going to serve there. All of those things on top, of course, of the manifold opportunities that we have to to serve here in our church, from uh, hosting a life group at your house uh, one week, to uh, taking a shift in the nursery or on the setup team when it's your turn to do that. Or like we saw a few weeks ago, bringing cookies to the finale for the the cookout for the kids camp or doing the crafts at the kids camp or hosting a backyard bible club springboarding out of that this fall in your in your uh, own home in your own house it might be being an elder or deacon it might be greeting folks at the front door There's a ton of ways we can all serve and probably if you're like me you you know you put a couple of those different hats on you you know you wear one and you put another you put the coach hat on sometimes and you uh, put the, the serving in Sunday morning at the church hat on, all of these things. And, and in all of these things, let me say this as well before we move forward. You know, it's about serving in God's kingdom, not in our kingdom. So I list all those things. Uh, there's a few of you in here that will think, man, I, I am, I'm only doing one of those things. Or I'm only doing, i got to do all of those things. It's not us. We're not the kingdom It's God's kingdom, and He's working through us in it. So let's remember that as well. Well, when we step out and realize our weakness in life, a couple of things that are going to happen to us if we're willing to look at it. One is we'll be greatly tempted to despise our weakness rather than to see it as an opportunity to depend on the Lord. We'll also be tempted to deny our weakness, just say that it's not there. And, of course, a lot of us, myself included, our default mode will be in those places of weakness to try to lean over on perceived areas of our own strength, ways that I can do it, I can manage it. The beauty of what the Apostle Paul says here is that the Lord wants to meet us right where we're weak. He doesn't want us to deny it, to deflect it, to rely on our own power in it. He wants us to turn to Him. And in that, He can use us to do things we couldn't even dream. If it's built on our human strength or human ability, our service for God's kingdom is just a house of cards. Let's take a look at a couple of areas then where we rub up against uh, our weakness in serving others. The first one I'll mention is this idea of when we serve somebody, and we don't seem to be getting much of a response. Ever had that happen? Try to organize something or try to reach out to somebody or try to bring somebody a meal or something, and you don't get much response. You're not doing it for the response, but you would like to see that. It would encourage you. And when you don't see a response, there's a lot of weakness. You feel the weakness of serving in God's kingdom. A few years ago, in another ministry setting, I had the chance to minister to a young man who had been carjacked at gunpoint uh, downtown in a city area. He was at a nightclub with a friend and uh, shouldn't have been there at this time at 2 a.m. And I I never did ask precise questions to find out what more might have been going on in this situation. But uh, two captors took him and this other man captive at gunpoint in their car. Now you would think when you had that kind of situation, you'd start thinking about some life and death sort of issues. As they drove along and he and his friend figured out some kind of plan with cold steel stuck in the back of their ribs from their captors in the back seat to wreck their car intentionally while traveling about 40 miles an hour to try to get away. Again, you would think you might contemplate purpose in life need for some outside truth and help. Uh, This young man and his friend indeed wrecked the car. Both were injured in that but managed to escape away. The friend happened to go, by God's grace, around a corner where there was a police substation. Good for him. Bad for the 20-year-old that I had a chance to get to know who was, by the way, the son of a pastor. Bad for him because then both of the captors turned around and gave him their full attention as they chased him. He couldn't figure out any other solution in the middle of this dark, cold, wintry night but to throw himself off of a bridge 30 feet dropping to the concrete below. The assailants left him there for dead and ran off. And he was almost dead. I had the chance to spend time with this young man as he recovered in the hospital some, then spent months and months recovering in his home. And then when he was able to walk again, to be able to sit down over lunch. And I don't know what may have happened in his life since my contact with him. It's been years ago. But I remember the profound sense of weakness that I had trying to talk to somebody who would seem like he ought to know and understand about the need to rest more on the Lord, to draw strength from the Lord, to have hope in the Lord alone, and to receive no response. We feel weak when we minister and there's no response, don't we? We also feel weak when there's an opportunity and we fail to respond, don't we? Uh, Patience and I, uh, we have to confess, have turned into this uh, apparently when you're 17 years into your marriage, these date nights where we go out to eat and we end up with the exi- at the exciting location of a local bookstore. Maybe some of you have kind of <laughs> wandered into this abyss of the bookstore date. Well, there we were a couple of, uh, I don't know, weeks, maybe a month and a half ago at 2nd and Charles. Kind of a cool little store if you hadn't been in there. I walked up to the one counter, and there was really nobody around, so there was no rush. I saw the young lady behind the counter with her sort of purplish hair and her, uh, you know, nose ring and so forth, and a tattoo along the inside of her wrist. And I decided to maybe initiate with her because I saw the tattoo was written in Hebrew letters. Not something you see every day. And I took a, a look at it, and you know, it was kind of at an angle, trying to see it on her wrist. There, as she was checking checking me out. But I looked at it, and, and since it wasn't Hesed or Shalom or Jerusalem, I had kind of run through all of my seminary Hebrew, pretty well exhausted it. So uh, I asked her, well, what's that Hebrew word on that you've got tattooed on your wrist? And she said, well, it's a word, Hebrew word for love, which I thought was Hesed, but I didn't want to tell her because she obviously already, you know, she already had it known. So. <laughs> You don't want to break the news to her if there was a typo in there. But uh, so then I thought I'd take it a step forward and then I said, Well, why, why do you got that you know, you get something on your arm like that, a Hebrew word, you probably some reason for it. I asked her about it. And this is what uh, she said. She said, A lot of I think a lot of people, particularly Christians, just judge people all the time and there's not much talk about love. Now, if you're somebody with kind of the gift of evangelism, I mean, you'd be feeling right now like Bubba Watson just lining that bad boy up for a drive, right? Could have said a lot of things. I could have just acknowledged the fact, hey, some believers are very judgmental, and they just, they're kind of a broken record on that, and they miss the message of grace. I could have uh, talked about the fact or asked her if she just had a chance to read the Bible. And the fact that it talks about both judgment and grace. Or I could have, the coup d'etat, I could have you know, summarized the fact that the Bible is a message of judgment. That God judges sin through his son Jesus and shows us love and grace through sending Christ to pay our penalty for sins. Could have done any of those things. I said, cool. Smiled. And walked off. Weakness. Weakness. Weakness when those we might try to reach don't respond. Weakness when we have an opportunity and we fail to respond. One other area of weakness I'll mention this morning is just the weakness of the weight sometimes of giving our lives away in serving. Some of us, maybe the reason we aren't taking steps and and, and these different areas where we could serve and, and minister out of the grace and the power of God is because we it's just tiring. It's just draining. How do we do that? Well, there is a weight to it. And it's interesting that the book of Galatians speaks to that. It says this in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. You don't need to turn there. It says, uh, speaking specifically about kind of ministering to an individual, you know. If you do anything and try to uh, engage with other people around you, you're going to come in contact with other people's lives. And it says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So it's talking about helping somebody here, specifically helping somebody who's wrestling with some significant area of sin. You know, it could be anything, but it's talking about that. It says then, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. That's interesting. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it tells us this beautiful thing, that as we engage in the lives of people around us, however God's called us, that we have this opportunity to fulfill the law of Christ, to bear one another's burdens. But it says, watch out, lest you be tempted what's the temptation I think it's a couple of things and I'll mention this as we come to our the end of our time in God's word today a couple of them are this we ought to be really careful in whatever area we serve it might be bringing a snack to something at the church it might be signing up to uh, help with that girl scout troop it might be like i said getting involved in local uh, politics it might be whatever wherever you feel like god's called you to serve and to give glory to him when we do that it can be real easy to do it in our strength let's think about what we're bringing to the table We're going to impart this to the folks. We were talking about it at our Peru meeting yesterday for our Peru team that's getting ready to go. And to just remember that, folks, as we go on this trip, yes, we're bringing some some doctors and some nurses and some folks to help with medical care. But ultimately, we come as those who need God's grace just as much as the people we're ministering to. We just come uh, one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. We need to guard ourselves against that temptation but the temptation goes beyond that as well. When we're serving, we can sort of get a prideful mentality. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm serving and other people aren't serving all that much. So, you know, I, I feel pretty good about myself and my spiritual walk. We can begin to get a spiritual big head. And the apostle Paul reminds us in his case, the Lord gave him a specific ailment. We don't know exactly what it was. It was something, though, to keep him grounded, to keep him in that place of seeing that he was weak and that he needed God's help. And one other thing that happens to us where we feel the weight of it is that if we are involved in serving for God's kingdom, we'll be tempted. I think part of what it's talking about is we're involved in any burden of the kingdom. If we have a burden for God's kingdom, And when the weight of that begins to land on us, we're going to want to run away. We're going to run run and escape. We're going to want to move towards things that maybe aren't pleasing and glorifying to the Lord as a way to get out from under that burden. And the Lord tells us the only place to find strength for the service, for the life, ministry that He's called each of us to is from Him, from Him alone. Read uh, with me or look with me, if you will, and you can turn there to another passage in 2 Corinthians that I'll close with. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. As we think about ministering, we don't see a response. We think about failing to minister or failing to respond when there is an opportunity. If we think about the weight of ministry of uh, people of God, what a blessed truth to believe. What we read in our passages today, that God chose what is weak in the world. That's talking about me and you, to shame, the strong. What a, what a refreshing reality to live by, that God chose what is low and despised to bring to nothing the things that are. What, what strength would begin to flow through us if we would boast in the Lord and delight to do that, that he would be our highest joy. What a frustrating but necessary thing that the Lord puts thorns in our lives to remind us that His grace is perfectly sufficient for us and that His power, did you hear this word earlier? His power is made perfect in your weakness, in my weakness. These are glorious things to believe and embrace if we would choose. And 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5 is a good place for us to conclude our time as it too speaks about the beauty of the gospel shining in us and out to us. It says, beginning in verse 5, For what we proclaim is not ourselves. Servant in the kingdom isn't about us. It's about God. But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants. There's that word, servanthood, for Jesus' sake. For God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How's that going to be displayed? Listen to verse 7. We have this treasure in simple plain jars of clay specifically to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we praise you that you love your glory rightly and you invite us to love your glory in such a way that, Lord, even as we seek to respond to the gospel and live for the things of your kingdom and to find places to serve that would minister to those around us and be a blessing to the things of Your kingdom, Lord, that we do all of that in utter dependence upon You, Lord. And I pray, Lord, we would not look at that as a a condescension, as a grudging thing, but we would be excited (laughs) to acknowledge to You, Lord, places where we indeed are quite weak and desperately need You to strengthen us. Father, Show us your glory. Show us your grace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.